Hey guys, this is Two Day Hangover with Hannah Elson, a podcast that streams every Monday with topics ranging from navigating post-grad, how to live a damp lifestyle, and general advice from a mid-20s gal that's still learning. This podcast is a space to be honest with ourselves, have fun while doing it, and try our best to avoid the two-day hangover. Grab a mocktail and enjoy. Welcome to episode six of the two-day hangover podcast. Wow, they're just flying by. It's kind of reminding me that the weeks are flying by and thus the month. And oh my gosh, I just feel like life's been so busy lately in the most beautiful way. I feel so blessed to be living the life I'm living right now with the people I'm in. Oh, wow. We started that out positive. (laughs) But anyway, that just reminded me by saying episode six. Hello. 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 How are we all doing? And today I wanted to discuss kind of an introduction to mental health. I know that with every episode, I bring in pieces of advice around mental health. I'm extremely open about my own mental health in order to, and hopefully inspire others to feel comfortable to either share the same with their friends, with themselves, their family and such, because I wish someone did that for me. But anyway, I figured that it was time to have an entire episode that was really focused on, like I said, sharing my journey, seeing if you guys can relate to any of that. And if not, maybe you can learn something And then for future episodes to come, we can get into some of these more specific topics. I have a few in mind, but I always love hearing from you guys, as always, on that two-day hangover podcast Instagram. It's where I take questions every week for episode ideas. Before I get into any of the story, any of the advice I give, I just wanted to say that I am always here as a resource and an open ear if you all need anything when it comes to your mental health, but most importantly, please keep in mind any trigger warnings that may come from this episode. Sometimes you never know what the trigger warning will be, but if you or you know anyone who is struggling, the suicide lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255, or dial 911 in case of emergency. Or if you're needing someone to talk to, please remember there's so many resources available. Unfortunately, Some therapy can be really expensive, but if you work for a company, you can talk to a company. They have a lot of therapists on deck that can be a resource for you. And then also you can do online therapy too, which can be a little less affordable or a little more affordable sometimes. Look into it. I don't want to, maybe I'll look into it and let you guys know, but I've done online therapy and in-person therapy. I can talk about that in a little bit. So I recommend both. But just wanted to give that trigger warning because we will be talking about a lot of different traumas that go into a mental health journey. And I wanted to make sure you were all aware of that prior. I am an open book and it does come with trigger warnings. But anyway, I will get into kind of from the beginning on my own mental health journey and why I started taking medication in the first place and why then... It's kind of like that domino effect by working on my mental health and then deciding to take medication. I wanted to take it seriously and thus look for a common denominator in my life and thus work on my relationship with alcohol, which is something that I really go into in a lot more detail in episode one. So backtracking even further, I have always been an anxious child and a confused child with a lot of thoughts and a lot of unknown on how to manage those thoughts. 
I remember being a little girl and I joke about it, but you guys, I was literally mute until seventh grade. I was so shy. I mean, I could physically speak, so there's probably a more proper word to use, but I could not say a peep. And I think during that all of that time, I was really bottling up a lot of my emotions in my childhood. I had an extremely privileged childhood, but I just always knew kind of like something was off when it came to I would just have weird reactions to things and kind of feel really frenzied to things even when I was so shy. But I really did have a privileged childhood and I'm aware and able to say that. Come seventh and eighth grade, when I finally began speaking, I mean, I think my friend was saying this in the friendship podcast, Vivi, love you. But it's such a good point that I think when you talk about healing your inner child, a lot of that actually comes from healing your middle school and high school self as well. And I truly believe that's not something we talk about enough. And then also with social media these days and everyone just growing up quicker and quicker, I think people like Nessa Barrett are so important to our society because they're able to be more towards that age range and talk about that in the moment. But I feel like I didn't have anyone there with me at the time that I could talk to or see that was going through the same thing. So if you're ever thinking about what's powerful about social media, it's that. When I look back at that period of my life, I really see like a young and fragile girl who just needed to talk to someone and didn't know how. And so I think when I work on my healing, a lot of that is healing my middle school and high school self. So that's why I'm going to unpack that a little bit further. And I'm sure some of you can probably relate to that a little more than we'd even like to admit. So yeah, seventh and eighth grade. I mean, I read back on my, I have a diary from it and it's so funny. Essentially, my biggest worries were whether my crushes would look at me. I think I was like a very insecure child, even as a kid. I mean, I was definitely not like the skinny little girl. I was also taller than every guy at the time. I think I peaked height and boob growth wise in like seventh grade. So I was really advanced for my time, but I definitely didn't feel cute. And there was all like little silly drama, getting kicked out of friend groups and everything like that. But it wasn't until high school when I really started finding more of a sense of confidence and then with that confidence confusion because I think a lot of my personality was me trying to attach to different people and kind of take on their personalities versus finding my own and I think looking back it's because I was scared of my own and I didn't know if I was enough I didn't know if I was special enough and I had always like such big dreams to be this amazing person confident person be a driven woman and business person. I've always had dreams like that. And I always would tell myself, I can't achieve that. So I would latch on to different people trying to be like them. And then I would always be falling short because you're no one but yourself. We know that now. It really wasn't until junior or senior in high school that I have memories of like how I actually felt Maybe it's because I suppress them so much that as we age, I just genuinely don't remember. Um, I know that can be a little bit of a trauma trigger. So maybe that's it for me that I just don't remember anymore. But when I think about healing that girl like I was talking about, I really think about junior and senior year of high school. So I was in a relationship. It was actually quite a good relationship. I look back and I'm really happy I was able to experience that. We were best friends and he knew everything about me, but 
the reason I'm so talented, if I say so myself, at managing a boyfriend and independence is because I definitely wasn't good at that time. So I would push away friends and I think he knew everything about me and it was really important that I gave someone everything about me because I'd never done that before, not to my family, not to my friends. I'd never had a best friend before other than I'd had a friend growing up, but she was more like a sister. Like we'd fight as such. We didn't go to the same school. She was like a family friend that turned into my sister, love her to death. But like it wasn't the same as like a school best friend, if that makes sense. And we always would like joke about it and stuff like that. I was really insecure about my friendship, so I just wouldn't attach to anything and would fluctuate all the time. Towards the end, when I was a junior, he was a senior, so he went off to college and it just started getting really bad where I think as I was aging and less of this innocent girl, I was starting to find out things about myself that I wasn't happy with. I guess we'll backtrack a little bit further. I didn't know necessarily what like these feelings of imbalance in my brain were. So I would get so pent up and upset that I couldn't put words to describe my feelings or describe my actions or reactions that I would just genuinely tell myself that like something's wrong with you. No one's going to understand you. The world doesn't want you and like what are you doing and I did have a period of my life where I was extremely depressed and extremely talented at hiding it um I know my parents get a little sad thinking back to that period because they weren't really aware and unfortunately that was also something on me I wasn't communicative with anyone even my when I was still dating and boyfriend at the time But I had times during high school, and I suppress this, so I only remember it vaguely, but I was extremely depressed to the point of being suicidal. And I remember just thinking like, okay, something's so wrong with me. Like, what can I do if I can't put words to this feeling? What can I do to feel pain, essentially? And I wanted to feel that emotional pain to kind of have a sense of control And that's a type A in me that I'll talk about a little further when you have that lack of control and how to react to it. But I didn't understand it. And so I've never told anyone this actually in my entire life. So here we go telling a bunch of strangers. I This is what I suppressed, but I remember going down to my kitchen and like staring at a knife for, oh my gosh, like two hours. And I just remember breaking down and I didn't end up doing anything, but it was just one of those moments where I was like, my mind is so overwhelmed that I don't know what to do other than force myself to feel pain. And I had a couple other moments like that that I've definitely suppressed. But as I grew up and started understanding that I was aging and making like life decisions like going to college or deciding whether to stay with my boyfriend in college, like remember when we were growing up, that was such a big life decision. And it's so sad and sweet at the same time thinking back to how much that meant to us. But it really does mean a lot to us at that period of life. And so anyway, I'm flashing back to that period of life. But we ended up not dating when he went to college, but it was a lot of back and forth. So I was like very insecure because it was my first toxic situation once he was in school for the both of us, honestly. During that time, or maybe it was junior year, I'm telling you guys, I'm getting my years mixed up because I suppressed it so much. But like 
there was some sort of situation where there was like a list and then there was yik yak that came out and one of the things was like Hannah has the thickest thighs like she looks like Chewbacca and then the list came out like a, a little a bit before actually I think and it was like she didn't deserve to be on that list she's not pretty like all this stuff and as I was like already this was actually I think sophomore year See, I'm suppressed it. So this was sophomore year. When I was really depressed, all of this was happening. Well, I was depressed the whole time. But you get my point. Like, when I was having these, like, harmful thoughts happening, that happened as well. And I didn't tell my friends how much that meant to me because, like, I felt dumb with the fact that something, like, physical upset me so much. But it was really just because I couldn't understand my own emotions. So anyway, flash forward to senior year now. I finally got it straight, you guys. I can't get the freaking years right, but that's that's how it works. I'm aging, I guess. Flash forward to senior year. It's all toxic. Everything's crazy. I'm having more memories with my friends, um, which that was a blessing. And I was starting to open up to them a little bit more, which was great. So I had a great fall of kind of understanding friendships and independence and beginning to be aware of my own emotions towards the end of that winter time it i was really re-engaging with my ex while also engaging with this guy who was my friend that i liked and i couldn't figure out that but really it was because i couldn't figure out myself you know there's always a situation like that and i needed another way to control because everything in my life when it comes to anxiety and mental health comes from this sense of control and stress that i can't explain and i just used not eating as that way and unfortunately during that period I lost an extensive amount of weight in a short period of time where typically when you think of an eating disorder and such you think of that long period of life where maybe they're like starving themselves for a long period of time like the movies or something like that so I had thought what I was doing was just like a satisfying relief because it was something I can control and I could feel pain and the feeling of hunger was like gave, gave me that gratifying feeling I ended up going on spring break and got like really intoxicated off of two drinks because I hadn't ate in months and I ended up oh my gosh I shouldn't laugh but I cheated on my boyfriend with that guy I liked ah it was just a kiss in a pool but really it was like It sounds so dumb, but I'm not even kidding. It was my wake up call to be like, what am I doing? Like, honestly, this made me happy. But like, what am I doing when it comes to like me and how I'm treating myself and how people are looking at me and thinking of me and everything like that? So I was bad for a little bit longer. But what actually had happened was my parents were kind of notified and understanding that something was going on. I guess side note, like people especially in high school, like they would come up to me and be like, wow, Hannah, you look so good. What'd you do? How'd you lose all the weight? Like saying compliments like that. And oh my gosh, you guys, if you have a friend that you know or have noticed that's lost an extensive amount of weight lately, or like maybe they're making a little jokes, like it is a cry for help. And please like do your research on how to communicate with them. I'm happy to try to help. But that was just, if anything, like egging me on. So anyway, so then My parents found out and they actually took me to kind of like, I don't even know if I've told anyone this either. (laughs) They took me to a little like outpatient clinic, which I didn't even know what it was. They kind of like um, took me against my will, but it was really another eye-opening thing. So I kind of had like two eye-opening experiences within a month or so. 
that essentially was like, you have to leave school and like leave. And it kind of explained to me why it was so bad losing weight so fast. Cause like that also can have really negative side effects on your long-term health and everything like that, which I think it has in some layers that I can explain on maybe a different episode. If that's of interest to you, I then went to college after this and I was happy. I think I was very insecure and I had never dealt with any of these like really traumatic emotions and I always felt really guilty that I was so depressed and that I was so anxious because I was so privileged I mean when 2008 happened our family lost like essentially all our money but at the same time like a lot of families did and I didn't think that was something that that wasn't something that was like a true struggle for me my parents protected me from that a lot and like didn't see I mean seeing them fight and stuff was hard for situations in high school but like I really didn't have anything super traumatic happen to me so like I don't know if anyone can relate to that but I had so much guilt and then like going into college and meeting all these different minds definitely not a diverse school definitely wasn't meeting diverse individuals but when it comes to their intellect and their minds I felt like it was nice to be able to compare I mean my friend group in high school we always had like really intellectual conversations and also we were just like fun girls but it's nice to meet people from out of your town especially if you live in like a privileged bubble town I started hearing their stories and how much they'd been through and I just felt feeling more and more and more guilty that I suppressed my mental health so much, especially the first few years of college. And then flash forward, I think that's what was attracting me to like guys who didn't treat me well, letting them not treat me well, like wanting to play the games. Like I think to an extent, I just never had the ability to assess like you can have a mental health and like not feel guilty and you can still be powerful and you can still be this kind person that you are and this happy person and this person who loves to be around people and still have something like chemically wrong with your brain and that's something that like will make you so strong in the long run but that's something you need to face head on and it's something that instead I ignored and to talk about now the damp lifestyle i always connect my mental health to my drinking because my drinking was always a crutch if i ever was putting makeup on oh my gosh my wing eyeliner was messing up i was so insecure a boy wasn't texting me back anything that was like triggering that to a normal person might be like not triggering at all would instantly make me like oh my gosh i need to go like grab this drink and like be like drinking it while i'm putting makeup on so i can have confidence to like go to this date party or go into this place like not even to flirt with boys i honestly barely did in college it was because i was so insecure it was more just like for me in my own mind a lot of times too which is really sad looking back but so just drank a lot in college honestly my grades kind of suffered because of it i never handled it and then when it came to then when my boyfriend and I actually finally broke away and I'd like found out about all the cheating and stuff. It was like the beginning of when I was abroad. So this was junior year, actually. I was in this beautiful, stunning place that I had the ability to go to that I absolutely love traveling with my whole heart. You guys know that. And I had just been through something really traumatic, essentially like 
what I had thought was something that someone should never go back to if you're cheating at all. But like I had convinced myself that he like barely cheated on me. And so like when I was abroad was when I found out like every single detail and it was just really, really traumatic for me. And I like felt like I could never trust someone again, like even friendship wise. I just was like, how could someone know everything about me and do that? And that was something that like I knew everything about myself and didn't like myself. So then I was like, no wonder. And it was like a really bad cycle. And so I, but anyway, I was like traveling and I was with my best friend and we had, oh my gosh, an incredible time. But I would go on these walks and I would just be bawling tears through the streets of Barcelona because I was like, what is making me, like, why can't my brain be normal? Like, why can't I look out at this sunset and like be like, oh my gosh. So I started just this is a side note but I started just like chasing sunsets and sunsets are so meaningful to me because of this period in life because I would just stare at them and I'd remember like they're a reminder that endings can be beautiful too and there's a new day tomorrow and I would just like say it over and over and over and over to myself and I kind of was like trying to like rebirth a new version of myself too And I believe like that was the beginning of when I started being intuitive with myself and I just like had a lot of fun and finally had a little bit more self-worth. Not enough, that's for damn sure, but a little bit more. And then left abroad and it was kind of like we talk about for the damp lifestyle, like you know when you have an amazing weekend and you get back during the week and you just, even if you didn't drink that much, you have just the two-day hangover. You have two-day scaries because you went from doing all these fun things to just, especially if you live alone, just sitting in your apartment with your own thoughts. And it's like such a juxtaposition that it stresses you out and can make you spiral and can be a trigger. And so coming back from Barcelona, like A, I'd gained all this weight, which is always a trigger for me to connect my like mind and body. B, just went finally loving myself a little bit amazing memories of my best friends who were there, made a ton of new friends. And then suddenly I'm back here living at my parents, doing a internship, which was like fun. I honestly had fun doing it. It kind of depends. But anyway, this whole entire time, I was like having kind of the come down of the really fun memories, for lack of a better term. And so by the time I got to senior year I was suppressing it again and I was putting so much pressure on myself to be like it's senior year you have to be fun like the same way you suppress that like in anything but I hadn't worked on myself and I just felt I was living with seven of my best friends and at the beginning it was like all sunshine and rainbows and we honestly never fought but like I needed so much more like solo time than I gave myself and I needed time to be able to love myself again and work through all of this healing like this toxic relationship that I had just experienced to all this mental health stuff that I'd never even told anyone that I'd never even worked through with a therapist that I didn't know what was wrong with me that I had no self-worth that I didn't even flirt with anyone because I thought that no way someone would even think I was remotely pretty to the fact that I was always holding a drink and so there was all these different things that were bottling up inside of me and the whole entire time I'm just like well something's wrong with me no one's gonna understand these thoughts so whatever we'll just like keep it in 
until finally it was the spring and I was training for a marathon and I had like essentially everything going for me like when it comes to having your stuff together I only had to take two classes because I'd already got my credits out of the way my grades were doing pretty well um friendships were fun and I just started pushing people away and like being kind of mean and anytime that's ever happened it's when my mental health's been like really really bad like my depression kind of comes out to play I'd be waking up late like sleeping through workouts who knows how I ran that marathon honestly I would just be like crying on my runs like avoiding running with my friend because I knew I'd be crying like just not in a good place and I actually had this one friend that we got in a fight and I don't fight friends a lot because I'm scared of confrontation. I mean, now I'll say it as it is because I have self-worth, but then especially like I'd be so scared to have conversations. So I finally like she did something that hurt me that wasn't cool, but I went and talked to her and she was like, yeah, what I did wasn't cool, but like XYZ has been hurting my feelings a lot lately, like about you that you might not notice and like you need to like figure your shit out. And it was like such a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this person like actually understands the differences and like how I was the end of abroad versus now and like actually cares about me and loves me. And I love this person too. And this is such a wake up call for me to figure it out. So because of her and because of that conversation, I signed up for my first therapy appointment, just being like, I need to understand like why these phases of my life happen, why it comes in and out why because it's like I'm not depressed every day every single day I'm not anxious every day every single day like I need to understand this so through like kind of getting used to therapy I was able to begin to heal a lot of that specifically the stuff with the ex um that I think was really needed to a point that I was able to move to a new city confidently which I talked about in the last episode in a bit more detail I'm always (laughs) plugging my other episodes But when I got to Austin, it was just more like, I think it was because of COVID and quarantine, which was horrible for my anxiety. I genuinely think my cat saved my life. I think we were just like so pent up with excitement for being in a new city that we were drinking so much. I don't think necessarily my mental health was that bad because I, like I said in my last episode, I truly believe my first roommate like really, really saved me when it came to having that positive mindset and understanding that like the worst can happen but you can still treat people with kindness and have so much love to give others and wake up happy and smiling and joking around and like she's just like such a blessing on this earth I'm not even religious but I'll say that as a phrase oh my god I just whipped out of my mouth (laughs) I think that like I still again like I had stopped going to therapy because I'd went over to virtual and at part of quarantine when it was really bad I was talking to her twice a week but she honestly like wasn't that great of a therapist and that's something that I will tell you guys like you do have to have the journey of vetting out your therapist and I don't think that's talked about enough it's actually can be really hard when you don't get along with your therapist or they give you advice that just feels a little bit triggering and you don't feel safe like I remember there were moments where I was like lying to my therapist like I had full-on texted my ex the day before and I completely lied to her like that you shouldn't be in a relationship where you can do that so anyway it's very important side note to like vet out those relationships or else you'll have moments like honestly like I'm doing right now as we speak where you like stop going to therapy for a little bit because you're trying to find the right person and it's really hard without spending one million dollars on it 
So you can do it. There's research to do it. Ask your friends, ask connections. You can definitely be referred to someone. But also, like, take anytime you're trying to get a therapist, I would say do the intro call where you vet them out. It's usually 15 minutes or so. You can do it over the phone, you can go in person. And it's really helpful to see if like your vibes are connecting. Obviously, sometimes you can still have to do the introduction session, which can be a little triggering just because like they ask you like, what's your family life like? Like, oh, it's all this stuff. And you have to like unpack it on the spot. Um, But anyway, but like it's worth it to do that and still then leave after that. But like make sure you're going to someone else because I definitely regret having all of these gaps in therapy just because I haven't gotten along like we've gotten along I mean I liked them it just like didn't give me that like passion to explain because as much as I talk I mean I'm literally on a podcast sometimes I need someone to like bring it out of me to actually like tell them I kind of just come to the conclusions myself and then explain versus like have someone work through it with me if that makes sense so that's what's harder to find so anyway I digress back to the little journey story so then yeah, Austin, 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 let a guy treat me really badly, who then became my boyfriend, <laughs> and we were just, like, drinking a ton, um, no BN, no BN, no BN, so flash forward then to, like, the fall of 2021, that's when I started being, like, okay, I'm not happy, because I moved in and started living alone, and I really want to do an entire episode on living alone, because I think the transition in itself could take up 30 minutes explaining But essentially, I talked about this a little bit in episode one, but I moved alone in September and I think I was like more imagining just like me bopping around my friends more. I didn't really understand how much time when when you're alone, you actually are in your own brain. And the transition was extremely hard for me because it was the first moment in my life where I didn't have all these distractions or excuses to tell myself that like yeah something's wrong with you but like that's just you you're fine and I finally had to face okay I'm not comfortable or happy in my own brain and I need to change that and it came from and I will say a positive it did come from I remember my boyfriend like kept checking in on me and he was like I was like why are you checking in on me so much like can you go and he was like well I'm worried and I was like oh my gosh I am not going to have a man worried about me like I have to have independence and confidence like let's figure this out so I was appreciative that that was like a thing that happened for sure It's hard for me to be nice right now, but I'm trying. (laughs) But yes, I was appreciative of that moment. Then I started kind of learning about myself a little bit more and just enjoying activities. I think a lot of that, again, I'll unpack it more, but it comes from dating yourself, doing fun things like cooking yourself a meal. or And I mean, I was putting wine in my wine glass then, but like now putting my poppy in a wine glass and dancing around the kitchen like and not feeling dumb is such a powerful feeling so I started doing that more and more and then I think sometimes the holidays can be very hard for me because I think it will be hard for me this holiday too so I'm happy to talk about it further if I could guess I mean I hope it's not but if I could guess because again when I'm so someone that chases distractions when I'm in a time of or when I'm being distraught The holidays are when you're like back in your hometown or you're back with family and you might not tell them everything. I do tell my mom and dad everything now, but like then I didn't. Um, 
and it goes from like 100 to zero faster than you can like snap your fingers and even if you are doing fun things over the holidays it's just like stuff always resurfaces it's just something in the air i don't know if it's all the weird junk food you're eating or the family asking what your future is going to be or you're about your ex-boyfriends or ex-friends or anything that's traumatic that comes out the holidays whatever it may be they're just always hard for me mentally and so this past christmas we went to california i was doing a bunch of fun things there was like a lot of stress around covid and like everyone in my family was getting covid and i get very stressed when my grandma's upset but like i try to be the strong person for her and i just like was really like could not go a day without a panic attack um that's something i haven't really been explaining because i think they're hard for me to assess but i want to go into like what i mean when i say a panic attack i think oftentimes especially any partner i've been with hasn't necessarily understood them because I'm not a doctor and nothing I say should be like quoted but for me I think panic attacks come in different forms for everyone and that's what makes them feel so isolating so I can have sometimes a silent panic attack where I'm like so stressed and I'm like not breathing but I don't make a reaction and I've had those last like I had one happen in San Diego where my boyfriend at the time didn't even notice it was happening just thought I was acting like a bitch but like really I had this like internal silent panic attack for the entire day and like couldn't it's really hard for me for instance when those happen to explain my emotions and then I can look back and be like okay this was the trigger okay this is how I'll manage it next time but those can be really hard to predict and explain and then on the other hand I'm um very like reaction based panic attack person so sometimes people can get them like out of absolutely nowhere typically mine are trigger based i'm warning all of this and explaining my panic attacks because like i believe that i'd worked a lot on my depression and i think i had like lower amounts but i was really blessed to the point that like i had such a purpose of living in this world and i'm so happy to be waking up every day in this world and i was then too but I still knew that like something in my chemicals up there were imbalanced when it came to anxiety because I was like, I have tried everything under the sun to naturally like work on what's going on. But I still can get triggered off of like literally something turning the lights off when a movie's playing. Like it's the weirdest. I would be like, everyone thinks like my body's ugly. Everyone like my boyfriend doesn't love me. Um, none of my friends think I'm funny or happy or cute. Like just because of something random. So I knew it was off, obviously. That is not normal, you guys. But I couldn't compare it because no one can exactly compare like their brain's functions of a panic attack. And I think that's really important and not talked about. And I don't know, Dr. Wise, if that's actually accurate. But like, I think it is. And so anyway, so it was like Christmas and I was like starting fights for no reason. And I essentially was like about to push away everything and every anything and just like didn't know what to do with myself so finally talked to someone talked to a psychiatrist that was like all virtual um which I actually don't recommend I recommend going to like both a doctor psychiatrist and talking to your therapist when you're going on medication as well as talking to people you know that are willing and open to sharing their journey with medication and everything like that um for me I knew at that time in my life I had done everything and I needed to actually take action. So I was prescribed a relatively low dose of Zoloft. 
I forget the actual name for it, <laughs> but I also can do, because this episode's getting long because I can jab, gab, gab, gabbing, but I can do a full, like, more detailed episode on my medication journey, but essentially, because of taking that medication, you're really not supposed to drink on it or mix alcohol, especially in the beginning, so that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna, like, begin this balanced lifestyle. I'm gonna take out hard alcohol for a little bit. I'm just gonna, like, do a drink the mix in water, and by adapting that lifestyle is, like, how I like kind of just posted a video about calling it damp and everything because I'd heard that term but not as a quote-unquote lifestyle so through time and everything like that that's how it became and my transition was really a beautiful thing and it really could bring tears to my eyes because I don't think everyone needs to go on medication it's not like okay I'm sad I'm gonna go on medication it's like you felt all your life like something was wrong with you and then the second you have something that's balancing you and it's working and you are reacting more maturely I mean oh my gosh you guys sometimes still I'd be like of course but like you can feel the difference if you like truly have worked on your anxiety and depression like nothing's working and it's such a powerful feeling and that's why like you really really do need to talk to so many people you guys like I cannot talk about it enough before I like do some research into how to talk to you guys about it but that was my journey and it just started becoming beautiful and I started working on myself and growing this independence and confidence and a lot of that came through drinking less and talking more and meeting more people and intellects and big thinkers and travelers and everyone under the sun and I just started seeing such a purpose for myself and honestly posting on TikTok too like such a purpose but that whole time I also have had this like chemical in my brain that's helping me out the only thing that's been really hard for it and what was really hard for it was I was tracking my weight because that's a very big side effect and I was like barely drinking or not drinking working out every day I'm very active eating healthy cooking all my meals and I was still gradually gaining weight and it was starting to be like very negative on my self-worth and self-image and on top of that I had little to zero sex drive and I was like making my boyfriend feel bad about myself and then I was feeling bad about myself I've always had intimacy issues I speaking of wanting to do a full episode I'm going to do an entire episode on medication and sex because it's a very deeper issue and it's something to unpack and you are not alone if you feel like weird and dumb if you don't feel anything down there especially on medication like it is such a journey but I was noticing all these side effects so anyway I ended up adding um a depressed like the depression one this so it's like more of a stimulant to balance out the zillow anyway i think it's been working a lot better so it's really important also like as you're on your mental health journey to like be really really cautious of side effects so like i always either journal it or i'll think about it or i'll I'll, um schedule a lot of check-ins even if it's like a virtual check-in with your doctor um so you don't have to like go in every single time but like you might just want to talk through it and be like is this a side effect blah 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 And they were like easily able to be like, I mean, yeah, the two side effects of Zoloft that are like most common is weight gain and lack of or loss of sex drive. So I know that everything that I've done to work on my mental health has prepared me for a moment like my breakup. And I say that a million times, but it truly is true because I know based on how I've been reacting and I believe I've reacted with maturity and grace. And of course, sometimes I'll post like a silly TikTok or two, but it's fun. I've realized during this time of healing how much I've already healed myself and how much of how much that child that girl in high school would look back 
and be so proud of me. And so what I would say to you guys is don't feel guilt if something takes a long time. Don't feel guilt if you have a better life than someone else and you're still sad. Don't feel guilt if it takes if it just suddenly pops up and suddenly you're anxious and it never happened to you before and you don't have anything bad before. Don't feel guilt if you don't have that many mental health struggles. My point is, when you take guilt out of the equation, you realize that everyone is on their own journey in this like crazy little world. We're like a little speck on the globe. <laughs> Who even are we? I'm not sure. But we have extremely crazy minds and they're supposed to be talked about and nourished and it's an illness when we have to fight something but it's a beautiful thing and makes us so much stronger when we do and I could care less that it has taken me so many years to realize that because I'm here now that's what I said to my friend who was like struggling with a breakup because she's like why do I still cry about him it's been a year like you're here now and you're having that conversation with yourself like why am I still crying about them that's growth Any sectors of growth in your mental health journey are so important to give yourself a pat on the back and not relate it to other people because the power is in you and the ability to truly make a change is in you. But sometimes we need a little help from our friends and that friend is called Zoloft (laughs) for me, but that friend can be called anything else for anyone else. And the point is, I believe, like like I was saying in the beginning of this episode, it is so stunningly beautiful that social media has allowed us to talk through this. But a lot of times still you'll hear something and you don't relate to that and you're instantly like, hmm, well, that's not me. OK, next, like, I guess something's wrong with me. And so just really remember, like, even if you didn't relate to a single thing I said in my story and you have a completely different story, um, there's a lot of different illnesses. There's a lot of mental health illnesses. And that's why you have to talk to an expert, a professional. Sharing your story and hearing stories as long as you're talking to someone without unhealthy trauma venting can be really powerful and build a community that you feel safe doing that versus feel like everyone's going to judge you because that's a really important transition too. I can, like I say, genuinely say I am so happy to be living on this earth. I hope all of you are or one day will be as well because it is such an amazing feeling. I wake up every day, even if I know I'm just chilling on the couch with just a happy feeling in my heart. I look at my cat and I'm appreciative that he's alive. I think of my friends and my family and like what I've been through. And even if it's not a situational trauma, I think I've dealt with a lot of trauma. Most that happen in everything from sexual stuff to eating disorder stuff to all these things that I told myself were not a big deal. They're all a big deal because if they're a big deal to you, who cares about relating it to other people? Because they're a big deal because you're assessing it in your mind and everything that enters your mind is a big freaking deal. And that goes the same for the positive. So I might be like going through something small like a breakup, but that's a big deal to me. And realizing that's like really allowed me to take the guilt out of the equation and just be so effortlessly in love with living in my brain and knowing that like even when I feel sad or negative or triggered emotions like I will get through it and it's because I have that strength that I've built up and it's all that time that I've built it up. 
I'm like getting I have questions that I'm supposed to answer and I already answered a few luckily through talking into that but I do want to like I said expand on this in another episode really quick one of the questions they asked was routine getting into a routine like how has it helped you it's really helped me that's something I'm really trying to work on I have a routine when it comes to my career um tiktok when it comes to healthy eating and working out i don't have a routine when it comes to skincare and making sure like my apartment's clean and everything like i'm definitely not it that girl that girl and everything like that i think the biggest thing for me and what drives me every day is my happiness and my mental health so for me my routine is whatever seeks that that day but i do believe that's something i'm going to work on and maybe if you guys are interested if like you're in the starting phases of the routine I can like transparently talk about that versus like pretending I have one just because I am just starting if that makes sense but I know some friends who's like routine gets them through the day so it is really important I think to answer your question I already answered the question about medication um mental health and sleep yes the second you start working in your mental health hopefully insomnia follows um I think also there's a ton of different like sleep tracker habit tracker apps that you can use like sleep apps um white noise um doing a night routine can be really helpful like thinking about putting the night like oils and stuff in your face and spraying your pillow and just making it a really safe environment because a lot of that with sleeping is safety and safety in your own thoughts so making an environment you can go to sleep in and then last it's how to talk to friends who don't have a mental health struggles and needs i think this is interesting because i do know friends that just have never really needed to deal with mental health and they're able to relax react really maturely I know that they have really put an effort to understand how my brain works. And the only time I felt like they didn't understand me is because I wasn't allowing them to. So I would say like really ask yourself, have you taken the time to set boundaries with them and explain and just be like, hey, I want to explain to you how I've been feeling, what I've been dealing with. I'm not asking that I need you or anything that you don't have to say you need them. If you don't need them, you just want to put up the boundary that can be done. But also if it's something that's like really traumatic and it's something you've never shared then just start the conversation with saying like hey this is something that like you might have not experienced yourself like i'm not asking for sympathy i'm asking for empathy wait is empathy if you haven't dealt with it or i'm not asking for your pity (laughs) i don't know like i'm just asking for a friend that can be an ear i don't mind if you can't relate to it but I would love to have you here like with me like during this time as I have like recovered and everything like that. That can be really helpful. I think also it's just like really important for that friend to like be that person for you. Um, be that friend that texts someone, how are you? I mean, I've had a couple friends that have checked in on me like three times throughout my breakup. Like, how are you? And it really reminds me that that question can go such a long way. And so there you go. Ask them, how are you? If you're going through mental health struggles, remember other people are too. Ask them, how are you? (laughs) Keep the cycle going. You know what I mean. Overall, I hope you all found some value out of me sharing my story. Obviously, like I told you, it was definitely hard for me at times, but I know I did my own story justice. I left out some massive chunks because this is a high-level overview and we're not digging into every single trauma. (laughs) We will in the future if that's of interest. I mean, not in a dangerous way, but I'm happy to 
kind of expand on any of these subjects, feel free to shoot me a message on hannah.elson. That's the one I check the most. My Instagram for my podcast is where next week I will be putting up the little text box to ask you guys questions about the episode. You can also always say what kind of episode because I love making this a collaborative process. You give me so many ideas, but also really help structure the episode. And I also wanted to just say again to end the episode anyone struggling no you are not alone you are never alone the world is a beautiful place and do everything in your power to see the world through that lens as well if you need therapy it's not a shame if you need to go to a care center it is not a shame trust that whatever you do in this world people love you and the right people will come and when you're young especially like in high school can seem like every single one person is out to get you and you're so confused your brain is not developed your life is not developed and most importantly there is so much out there still left to explore and i'm so glad i gave myself that chance and i'm so glad i can continue to give myself that chance and i hope the same for you and anyone who's ever lost a friend to mental illness or a family member or has been there while their family members struggled through mental illness i love you and i'm here for you and i'm happy to talk about it always as in here but love you guys and talk to you next week I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for next week. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to review and share with your people. It means the world to me. Check me out on Instagram and TikTok. So excited to continue this journey with you all.